0: welcome back to witch fix today i'm looking at a non-fiction witch book for a change i feel like i don't do as many of those as i should because to be honest they're harder to read it just takes longer Uh, but this one i picked up because specifically it was less than 100 pages long and that's the, the the place that i'm in at the moment i'm waiting for the next couple of books in the private series to arrive because i'm officially addicted to that now but um in the meantime i wanted to read something that wouldn't take up too much of my time that I could be ready for those books arrival and so I picked this from my pile is Hecate a devotional Uh, it's in the pagan portals collection and it's by Vivienne Moss according to the biography on the back of this book Vivienne Moss is a solitary witch mystic and priestess of Hecate And her poetry has been previously featured along with her essays in Naming the Goddess by Trevor Greenfield and in By Blood, Bone and Blade, a tribute to the Morrigan by Nicole Bonvisuto. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, So I'm guessing there's other books in this sort of same pagan portals genre. Um, This book is not very long. I've already said that, but it bears repeating because it's very short it's like 84 pages and that includes like the further reading section and according to the back of the book it aims to illuminate the following the goddess of witches queen of shades and shadows and the ever-eternal dark muse hecate fair queen of the shadow lands haunts the pages of this poetic devotional enchanting those who love her with the charm only this dark goddess can bring Join in the journey as we meet Hecate, queen of sorcery, in the realms of dream and enchantment, weaving magic through the world, seen and unseen. We take flight to the lands eternal in this part devotional, part grimoire, and learn how to venerate this great goddess of antiquity and connect with the spirits of the Shadowlands. Now, some of that is true. I would say that mostly this is uh, poetic devotional. Uh, That's sort of the only part of the blurb that really hits home for me the rest it doesn't really teach you anything about how to venerate Hecate uh, or really anything about the goddess herself and to be honest the book doesn't say that it's going to in like the the opening kind of introduction section it doesn't say that it's going to do that what it actually says is this this book is part devotional part grimoire Throughout these pages, I will share my thoughts and feelings on Hecate, Queen of Witches. I know others will view Hecate differently, and that is okay, for we are all unique beings. While I have come to know her as Soteria, the saviour of the world soul, it is in her more organic form that she most often appears to me. She is Hecate Cathonia of the Earth, Nicotaria, Night Wandering, Antia, sender of nocturnal visions, and Neteron Pritanin. I'm saying all of these incorrectly, I'm sorry. Mistress of the Dead. She is my dark muse, bringing of inspiration. This is not an academic tome, nor one that is set in historical tradition. This is a more modern view of Hecate as seen through the eyes of a solitary hedge witch. At the end of this book, I will include a small snippet of Hecate's history, along with correspondences and some of her many epithets. Uh, An epithet is hearkening back to my classics degree here. Oh yeah, it's not even a degree, it's, it's, it's part of an A-level, because I'm cultured, uh, but an epithet is basically uh, sort of something that goes along with someone's name, like when you say far-reaching Achilles or rosy-fingered Dawn, those little descriptors that come along with their names uh, and kind of give you an insight into their character. So for example, Dark Mother Hecate or something like that. I'm also going to say that, yes, I say Hecate, I know there are some people who say Hecate, and that is fine. The first time I heard it, oh, it gave me the squicks up and down my spine. But that's because it was coming from my Canadian English teacher, which is an oxymoron. So I forget what my point was. My point is, I'm just going to say it how I say it, and you can judge me or say it however you want. I don't care. So the point of the book, from the author's own words as opposed to the blurb, which they perhaps did not write, it's basically that this is their own kind of meditation on Hecate. This is their own poetry, their own work, their exploration of what Hecate means to them, and it's deeply personal. And if you go into the book expecting it to be that, then you will not be disappointed. If you go into it expecting it to be kind of like what the blurb's telling you, that it's going to be about this um, goddess throughout history and antiquity, you are going to be disappointed because it doesn't tell you anything about actual myths and legends associated with Hecate um I'm on a bit of a Hecate stream at the moment I'm, I'm trying to find books and things about her I have uh, one coming up Keeping Her Keys by Cindy Brennan which I'm looking forward to uh, cracking into as soon as my private books get here and I can read all of them but um this book is the one i decided to start with and to be honest i feel like maybe i should have read it last but there we go um so this was an interesting book i took my time reading it even though it was again quite short because i had to take breaks it was very intense. The writing style is very poetic. It's very, there's a lot of run-on sentences. There's a lot of, of stuff just pouring out and it feels at times like the frenzied mutterings of someone who is deep, deep, deep in a trance. And I'm not saying that as a negative thing because I was kind of vibing with that whole feel of it. It felt like these words were coming out of someone's soul. And for that reason, it came across as very intense and quite difficult to Read large portions of without feeling almost a kind of shiver of intensity coming from the the actual words in the book. Uh, So it's broken down into a couple of chapters, but the content is basically the same across all of them. Uh, There are eight chapters in the house of Hecate at the crossroads we meet at the gates of death to embrace the muse. Our lady of the witch's craft, the breath of life, Hecate, she who is all and the cunning way and then the conclusion of recommended reading um basically all of these chapters are essentially the same with the exception of chapter seven which has more of a breakdown of information and broadly speaking i think chapter seven is going to be the most useful to people because it is like a table of correspondence relating to hecate uh, all the other chapters follow the same kind of rhythm there'll be a title or a subheading for instance in chapter six the breath of life a subheading in the garden of elysium and then a sort of brief chunk of poetry um, which is again very intense and and very full of imagery and then there will be a sort of page and a half uh, to a page of just um, the author's thoughts on that specific topic so for example in the guardian of elysium the poem is this i have tasted the fruit of the dead my lips still sticky from the ripe red juice i walk among the sacred as torches light the way to the temple of hecate there is an ethereal beauty all around me trees heavy with fruit scent the air with honeyed sweetness i find myself gently swaying to the sound of birdsong their melodious music charming all who hear their song I am at peace here at home with my fellow mystics. The sacredness of Elysium is palpable. The garden of enchantment a sight to behold. Hecate, in all her holiness, awaits us, calling us to her sacred temple, our true home and destiny. So you've got that, like, prose poem uh, there. It's not, like, kind of rhyming or stanza poetry. It's, It's very much sort of, like... of stream of consciousness prose poetry Uh, and then we get into the actual content after that uh, which is when we open our eyes to the sacredness that surrounds us we become enriched with a deep love for earth we come to realize that this world can become like elysium the garden of hesperides avalon the blessed isle and eden we can learn to live in harmony showing love and compassion for those who share this plane of existence at times i find it difficult to see the sacredness of this world war murder rape and greed can be found everywhere i dream of a time when we as humans can find the holiness that lives within all a time when we become wise and compassionate full of the beautiful grace we are capable of and then we start talking about the world seen and unseen um different faces of hecate are kind of sprinkled in uh, much like the section i read from the introduction uh, she is given various names throughout the book, which can be found in the epithets section, which is in chapter 7. So you've got things like Anasa, a Dark Queen, Dracaena, uh, um, various names that are appended to Hecate as if talking about like different forms or different guises of the goddess. Now, what I will say is that I found the actual content of some of the sections. A little bit wishy-washy. Um, it kind of reminds me of a common complaint I have when I talk about non-fiction books: is that they spend quite a lot of time trying to describe experiences that are hard to describe or impossible to describe. Uh, direct contact with the gods, um, direct sort of meditations on specific uh, faces and aspects of the deities. It's a hard thing to write down and make it interesting and make it different to each other because it's sort of like a dream sequence. One dream sequence is much the same as any other. It doesn't really depend what's happening in it to a large extent because it's not real to your reader or necessarily like concrete and real to you as you were experiencing it because you were on a different plane or uh dreaming or meditating or one of those altered states which is an actual like wakeful reality so quite a lot of them do blur into one and i did find myself kind of skimming uh, after a while because so much of the book is just those experiences and while i think it might be interesting to read one and then kind of ruminate on it there is a lot of them in there and i would say like 90 percent of the book is just the author's own musings on different topics or different ideas through the lens of their devotion to hecate which is obviously what it says on the tin like the book hasn't misrepresented itself except for maybe partially the blurb so it's it's not the book's fault that that's not something that i particularly get along with but um it just does get a teeny bit um self-indulgent at times sort of like you're reading something that was never meant to be disseminated to the general public it's more like a personal diary which is all fine and good if that's what your personal diary is going to look like but you know then don't sell it for 6 99 on amazon that is not what i paid for it um so it kind of walks that line between being a deeply personal diary and also trying to be relevant to a reader and one of the things that i did enjoy was chapter seven. Uh, I personally would have put Chapter 7 at the beginning uh, because it contains a lot of information that's just kind of basic Hecate information. It is not by any means complete or uh, incredibly informative. Like if you have a very scant idea of Hecate as a goddess when you go into this book, you are not going to really come out of Chapter 7 knowing a huge amount more about her and her myths and legends, uh, which is unfortunate because I actually really liked the writer's style, and think a retelling of some of the Hecate myths or stories in this writing style would have been great, very easy to read, um, and very easy to get on with. I think she has a real gift for passing down that like complicated information into something that is quite enjoyable to read. Uh, so that's a, a sort of point in its favour. Chapter seven is where we get into some of the information about Hecate. So we have a little Uh, paragraph called origins it is literally only eight lines long again it doesn't give a huge amount of detail uh, but it does refer you to uh, you know other books then we have a section on parentage uh, the gods and goddesses who've been linked to hecate who obviously this changes it's a feature of quite a lot of greek and roman myths and lots of other myths as well that they weren't really standardised. Like, from village to village, Zeus's wife would change. Sometimes it's Juno, sometimes it's Hera. And, like, sometimes, you know, the parents of different gods change. Or like, their children change. Their origin stories even change. It's sort of like the rebooted comic book series. Is It's like, well, they have this origin story, but then also this one. From when it was, like, retweaked later on. Uh, again the section very short just because kind of breakdown of five or six gods or goddesses who've been I guess credited with being parents of Hecate then her children uh, breaks down to like five people Uh, mystery cults devoted to her this is a weird section because there's only two it says mystery cults and then it says Eleusinian mysteries at the temple of Eleusis and Orphic mysteries and and that's that section that's that's the whole thing Uh, then we get some information on her visage, like animals that tend to be incorporated into her appearance, her appearance, uh, what she wears, um, epithets relating to her appearance and clothing. Then we have literally two pages of epithets, like more than two pages of epithets, um, which range from uh, some of the ones that I've already said to things like Goddess of Fate, Lady of Bones, uh, Night Wandering, Mother of Dragons, which I swear is a game of thrones thing pale mother protectress of flocks sailors and witches queen of fairy various things like that uh, throughout the book hecate is connected to the lore of the Fae as well which isn't something that i had previously read but i guess kind of makes sense uh, then we get a list of attendant beings uh, gods and goddesses who um can be invoked alongside Hecutane's spellwork and prayers. It does say some are malevolent and some are benevolent, but does not expound on who is is which. So uh, there we go. Uh, Then we have spirits associated with her uh, and often called together, and then animals associated with her, this sort of table of correspondence, colours associated, uh, elements, Um, natural items, metals, trees, herbs, um, baneful herbs, which are in a separate section, which is quite good because, you know, you need to be aware. Although mugwort is not under baneful herbs, even when it obviously can be poisonous uh, if taken too much. And then we have offerings and altars and how to set them up uh, and different things appreciated by Hecate, which is quite an interesting section. And we get into sacred symbols, objects, festivals and dates. The festivals and the 8th section is just excellent. I would have liked a lot more on this, like what is traditional for each festival and day. For example, we have obviously full and dark moons, dawn and twilight, liminal times. And then we have um, January the 8th, midwife day. January 31st, feast day of Hecate. August 13th, Harvest of Blessing, obviously you have Samhain, and then Hectesia, or Hecate's Night, on November 16th, and then Day of Hecate at the Crossroads on November 30th, and I would have really appreciated, you know, where where are these sourced from, how are these celebrated, there's no source for them on this page, but I would have repeated a lot more information on that, I feel like this had the makings of being a really, really excellent book just about hecate like an introduction to her lore. if it had been like a hundred pages longer and all of this stuff had been included but it feels like chapter seven is just kind of um a brief nod to concrete information in between these more ineffable experiences uh we finally get a list of different sort of techniques or uh, magical ideas associated with hecate this last section is kind of um vague but you know different realms and different magical abilities uh, for example like the tarot and necromancy and then we're straight into chapter eight the cunning way uh, and this basically breaks down uh, different things associated with hecate or magic ingredients that would be used in spells or offerings to do with her whole section on dirt graveyard dirt crossword dirt uh, deep forest dirt shadowlands dirt um, and then also different kinds of water like storm water, shadowlands water, um, again different herbs this is kind of repeated but we do then get some recipes in terms of um, herbal blends uh, so a Brimo blend which is one of the facets of Hecate mentioned, queen of dragons blend, um, these include like Lots of different kinds of ingredients. Although one, uh, the Brimo blend specifically, contains a pinch of red brick dust, which I think is more of a hoodoo recipe. I could be wrong of that. But it wasn't mentioned under any of the ingredients related to Hecate, and I was unsure as to why red brick dust was uh, suddenly being used. And then we get to the end of the book. The conclusion, which is basically just more of the same, and then the recommended reading section. So what did I think of the book? I think it is an interesting concept this idea of it being part like a meditation almost on a specific deity and including information that would be of use to practitioners or people who want to get into working with Hecate my own um, knowledge of Hecate is incredibly limited I've done some googling I know some of the beasts and some of the lore associated with her Um, but nothing hugely concrete that's why I bought this book and and some others on her because I want to learn about her more Um, and I don't really think that this book is a great starting place for that maybe it will be more useful to people who already have that background knowledge but also I feel like a lot of it is incredibly personal and subjective and therefore I'm not entirely sure how useful that will be to anyone who isn't the author uh, to put it bluntly which I realize is exactly what it says at the beginning of the book it's being very open and upfront about what it is which I appreciate but I do think that most of its use is going to be limited to chapter seven and that recommended reading list uh, as a good jumping off point and it's not a terrifically expensive book the back says 6 pounds I think I paid about four pounds for it I've gotten into that point on Amazon where I'm ordering myself a present every time I do some Christmas shopping. Don't judge me, um but it, you know it wasn't hugely expensive. I think if you were looking for just a list of resources and some uh, charts that you could copy, like some little lists of correspondences that you could copy, I personally am going to photograph, uh, photocopy them, and slap them in the old book of shadows for later research um i think that would be incredibly useful so i don't think it's a terrible book it's not a bad book i just don't know how useful it's going to be and how widely useful it's going to be it's the issue i'm having with it Uh, but having said that i did like the writer's style and i would be open to reading like a more complete longer book by them uh if they ever sort of decided to turn their hand to non-fiction writing because i think they're really good at it and although it seems like their focus is poetry, it would be really interesting to read more non-fiction books that were written in a more engaging way. Uh, So with that in mind, I'll be keeping an eye out. And if you'd like to recommend me any more books on Hecate, do get in touch. You can do so in the normal ways. And as usual, I will see you in the next episode. Bye!